Amen. Good morning. Well, glad you're joining us today, and uh, we're continuing a series I started about being a light shining in dark places, about living a life uh, that is Holy Spirit-paced, keeping in step with the Spirit. So if you're visiting, we're glad to have you. If you've been coming, keep coming. Praise God. Uh, I've enjoyed uh, getting back into the swing of things after a little bit of time this summer and uh, enjoy all of the good things that are starting to happen and brew as we're getting ready to pour into this new school year coming. So keep coming. We've got work to do and good things to look forward to. So as we began this series, though, we've been talking about just how the times that we live in, the times they can feel dark, and I believe it's going to get darker still. But through Jesus Christ, we have been given a unique place to stand in the gathering darkness. We have all the help we need for anything that we face. In Jesus Christ, we have solid ground under our feet, and each of us at least has the potential, the potential at least, if you are willing to become a light that shines in dark places. Through God's gift of the Holy Spirit available to us, disciples of Jesus are given a new way of life, the possibility of a way of life where we are led by, taught by, and empowered by the Holy Spirit, God himself. And the alternative that we've been given to uh, despair in the world around us, the alternative to being exhausted and going through the motions, all the should-dos and the shouldn't-dos of church, they just feel so heavy, Uh, the alternative to half-heartedness, double-mindedness, distractedness, lukewarmness, is life led by the Spirit of God Himself. To be led by the Spirit of God is a tremendous gift and opportunity that we have been given. And so kind of the theme verse that I've been drawing us back to, this is Peter's quote of the prophecy from Joel in chapter 2. I will pour out my spirit on all people, on your sons and your daughters will prophesy, your old men will see visions, your young men will see visions, your old men will dream dreams, even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days. And this way of life that is initiated in the Pentecost moment uh, in Acts chapter 2, it was recognized because of some of the things that were going on. But Joel's prophecy deals with Uh, prophecies, visions, and dreams, and the universality of the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on all of these servants of God, uh, disciples of Jesus Christ. Um, It shows that this new age and this new time has begun, and I believe is continuing in force. Uh, Sometimes the Holy Spirit's activities are revealed in sensational things things that are dramatic, things that pull us outside our comfort zone, things that are easily misunderstood, things that are sometimes abused. 
So the scriptures actually give us a lot of guidance on how to discern and understand some of the gifts that the Spirit brings. And so we talk briefly about this. First of all, Thessalonians, we can't, we can't just dismiss things out of hand. We need to test them. Uh, we don't want to be a people who quench the Spirit's fire. Sometimes the Spirit leads us places that He has always led p- the people of God, and then we're not always comfortable. Uh, second, we can say that these gifts are usually given for the good of the body, not just individual help and aggrandizement uh, for your own personal ends and means, but for the good of the body itself. Some gifts have more priority and are more important than others. And then most of all, maybe we have to be wise and discerning. Uh, Test these things. Hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil is the command the scriptures give us. So while the gifts of the Holy Spirit, they have their place and are very important, uh, and sometimes they're grand and sensational things, uh, the bigger story for us, I think, in this is this new way of life Jesus Christ initiated in himself through the Holy Spirit. Uh, The bigger issue is not the gifts themselves, but I believe day-to-day friendship with your God. A living, daily friendship with your God. So if I were to ask you, is God your friend? That's what we are trying to center in on. Uh, And I say the most important thing to understand about the Holy Spirit above his goodies is his goodness, his friendship. Uh, So sometimes we feel like, Holy Spirit, we want his fireworks. Don't choose fireworks over friendship. You cannot build a life just on fireworks, on sensational things. I think it's an important discussion for us to have because when we talk about maybe more of the the charismatic gifts, the uh, uh, sensational things that the Holy Spirit does, honestly, a lot of people feel left behind. I don't want this. I'm not comfortable with this. I've not seen this myself in my personal experience. What am I supposed to do with this? And you kind of almost feel like maybe, well, what's wrong with me that I'm not feeling this or experiencing this or I don't even want this? But I, I, let me just say that I think most people's experience of the Holy Spirit is actually rather tame. And so when we hear Christians talking confidently about these amazing gifts in the Spirit, listening to the Spirit, uh, being guided by the Spirit, some of, some of us feel a little left out by that. And because of this, sometimes Christians have been tempted to talk about their own experiences with the, with the Spirit beyond the reality that they actually have. So they're maintaining this image of intimacy with God and intimacy of His Spirit being led by Him, but the reality of their hearts, it feels very far. And in that dissonance, that's a tough thing. Let me just say, in Jesus Christ, you don't have to pretend anything. We're not faking it until we make it in Jesus Christ. 
We've got to be honest about where we're at and what our real experiences are, what our concerns are, and move on from there. Did you hear me say that? In Jesus Christ, you don't have to pretend anything. We just don't have to. We're going to trust and be led. And that God will reveal himself among us as he chooses. And we have everything we need as a church to do the work that he calls us to do. And I think that's one of the signs of the Holy Spirit is he, in fact, frees us from faking it. He sets us free from having to fake it. He frees us from image management. He frees us from the fear of, oh, what will other people think about me? Oh, what will other people say about me? He sets us free from that because we're just enthralled by the love of God. We're not caring what people say or what people can do. So that's one side of it. By the same token, I must say that, you know, we don't want some of these things that we are outside of our personal experiences. Let me just say, consider that there are areas that God wants you to grow into. He wants to change your heart. He wants to change your lives. He's going to call you into things that aren't necessarily routine, business as usual. If you, if you obey the Spirit, He is going to lead you some places that you wouldn't choose on your own by yourself. Some of the very uh, sincere and passionate disciples of Jesus Christ have experienced some amazing things in the power of the Holy Spirit. But it's mostly in terms, I think, of that day-to-day walk and friendship and trying to listen to Him. So I would say that while we don't fake it on one end and pretend to be something there that we haven't actually experienced, on the other hand, we have the humility to understand that maybe God wants things for us, and He's going to call us to things that aren't necessarily straightforward or easy at times. Some of the strongest and most humble among us, they live lives of power and purpose and daily conversation with the Holy Spirit. They have learned His language, and they've learned at least some of the time to obey the promptings toward good things that He gives. And so for a Christian, while we don't fake it, to deny the very real power and presence of the Holy Spirit is just as dishonest as the Christian who is pretending something that's not really there. I would say we have to have wisdom in these things. You see, while special experiences can lead individuals and a church to spiritual breakthrough, By themselves, these special, charismatic, wonderful experiences, the mountaintop peaks, so to speak, by themselves, they they rarely change a heart. You can have this great and wonderful experience in the Spirit, and yet your character remains flawed. Sin is still there, not getting dealt with. 
a person can have a Holy, a Holy Spirit kind of experience, but ex the experience itself doesn't change their character. So can you, um, uh, let me just play this out. Can you imagine a situation where a church in American culture, they would look at and pay way too much attention to a minister's spiritual gifts and talents and way too little attention to his character. Can you imagine a church where that would happen? Or imagine an elder who is selected to the leadership of the church because he's a successful businessman. He's a big giver, but he is controlling and micromanaging, and he lacks a spiritual gift of shepherding. Can you imagine a church tolerating that sort of thing? Or think about a preacher who delivers great sermons. He's a good preacher, and he knows it. But he leverages his position and his talents to manipulate and get his own way. He refuses the input of others. He's just got his own agenda and his own ideas, and he's going to do it assumes he knows best, assumes he's the smartest one in the room, doesn't listen or respect his elders, neglects his family, maybe he has a secret porn addiction. Can you imagine a church putting up with a minister like that? I hear it happens sometimes. See, as Christians, you and I are meant to live our lives in the power and the resources of the Holy Spirit. You were meant to be led by Him and taught by Him. And while the Holy Spirit, He does do amazing things among God's people, I think His desire is for daily friendship with us. I think more than amazing you with His fireworks, the Holy Spirit wants your friendship. He doesn't just want to give you goosebumps. Not that that's a bad thing. I like that. He wants to help you change from the inside out. That's his real agenda. Transformation into the image of Jesus Christ. So let's look at a few verses that were given. When he, the Spirit of truth, comes, has come, he will guide you into all truth. John 16, 13. And from Romans 8, 14. For those who are led by the Spirit of God, they are the children of God. And John 14, 26. The Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Reading through these verses, what is the Holy Spirit interested in? Guiding, leading, teaching, reminding. All of these are relational kinds of terms. They imply time spent together, do they not? Is that fair for me to deduce that, do you think? See, the Holy Spirit is the way that God loves us. 
It's the way God loves us, is through the Holy Spirit. God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit, Romans tells us. Just a sweet little piece of a verse. And uh, yet the meaning of it is so profound. So we had asked the question, where, where, are we, where are we being guided? Where are we being led? What are we being taught? What are we being reminded of? I think the Holy Spirit's intention is He's guiding us to the very heart of God. He's leading you deeper into the love of God. He's teaching you about the depths of God's love. And He's reminding you. Reminding you in the depths of your being that there's nothing that can separate you from the love of God in Christ Jesus. That's what He does in His leading, His guiding, His teaching, and His reminding. He doesn't just come to us saying, hey, let me show you a couple neat tricks. He comes to us, I think, more with the gentleness of a lover who whispers in our ear, hey, what are you doing with the rest of your life? What are you doing? What plans are you making? Because I want to be a part of them. So the Holy Spirit, I would say, is very interested in the kind of person you are becoming. He wants to renovate your heart. He wants to help you deal with sin in your life. He wants to help your heart grow bigger. And He wants to move you deeper into the mystery of God's love so that you can experience more. You see, God is so generous, to put it bluntly and, and to just be frank, for us to receive everything that God desires to give you and to give us as a church, we have a lot of growing to do. We've got to make the temple big enough to hold the glory, this ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. Our friendship with the Holy Spirit needs to grow. And God helps us uh, in that. So when I was a kid, I liked Dr. Seuss books. Maybe familiar with this one. And what happened then? Well, in Whoville, they say, the Grinch's small heart grew three sizes that day. You know this story? You're a mean one, Mr. Grinch. Oh, good, there's some smiles out there. <laughs> some dramatic something struck this Grinch's heart, and it grew three sizes. Well, we get those dramatic moments where our little hearts stretch and they grow. And sometimes it is these bigger, more dramatic moments, and sometimes it's just the little imperceivable things walking together in friendship with God in our real day-to-day -day lives. The time that we get to spend together with Him, talking, sharing hopes, 
dreams, opening up about our fears, talking to him about our desires, at times able to say, I'm sorry. At times maybe being able to say, I don't really think I want you right now or want to spend time with you right now. Can you imagine the honesty of just opening up to the Holy Spirit and God that way? We've got growing to do. So, uh, you familiar with Galatians chapter 5? goes through a list of sins that, we're being, that are being dealt with uh, in the power of the Spirit. But there's also a list of these virtues which the Holy Spirit, Paul says, this is his, these are his addresses. This is where you find the Holy Spirit, is in fruit like this. And all of these fruits, I think they relate in some way to our character and the way that our hearts are growing and expanding. The Holy Spirit is interested in growing your character. So on the, the left-hand side, uh, I, didn't, I didn't, you get the idea, I just did enough to do the idea. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, it goes on and on. But there's just a few. And you want to know what the Holy Spirit is interested in? Oh, you know what? I never use this, but I got a little pointer. So love. He is interested in moving us in the direction of love and away from indifference and apathy and not caring. He is interested in moving us into deeper joy and away from depression and sadness. He wants to give us peace and move us away from the churning and the turmoil and the wars you fight in your thoughts, maybe, in your heart, maybe. He teaches us patience and helps us move past restlessness, kindness over meanness. Think about, you know, I'm a daughter, or I'm a father of three daughters, and how helping them grow up and learn how to navigate relationships. Uh, sometimes I was just like, okay, Lord, you're just going to have to help here. I'm not, I'm not as smart as I thought I was. I, I mean, I think I'm a good dad, and I put boundaries there and everything. But like those middle school years especially, for middle school girls, that they could choose meanness it's almost expected. And if that meanness is not there, then something's wrong. Can you even imagine just giving up on that and choosing kindness in that environment instead? It takes faith. It takes the Holy Spirit growing your heart to be able to choose kindness and not out of your own hurts and insecurities just be mean in an environment of meanness. See, even in little ways like that, the Holy Spirit prompts us and speaks to us and desires to grow our hearts so that we reflect more and more the image of Jesus Christ. You will be like a star shining in dark places as you hold out the word of life. That's his desire.
to move you deeper into all of his fruit and all of his goodness. So I asked this question earlier in the series, what is my life going to look like? What's it going to look like when the Holy Spirit is having his way with me? When I am beginning to trust more, what's it going to start looking like? What, are, what can I expect? And I don't know if these are normal. This is obviously not an exhaustive list. This is just Calvin nasal, gave, nasal navel, navel gazing. Nasal hazing. <laughs> this is just Calvin navel gazing and thinking about these things. And thinking about them with Scripture and other other authors that I've looked at. What's it going to look like when the Holy Spirit is having my way, His way with me? I think it moves us out of confusion. We step away from distraction and confusion. Walking with the Holy Spirit moves us further away from double-mindedness, half-heartedness, lukewarmness, and we begin to embrace the possibility of what would my life look like if I go all in for Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit is all over that movement. And it's no longer about, I don't want to do this, and these people, you know the way they are, Lord, help me. It's, it's not, I have to. It's, we are strangely led by this ever-growing, deeper love. Walking with the Spirit saves us from, mm-mm-mm, you know kids these days, mm-mm-mm. You know politics these days, mm-mm-mm. Let me tell you about this situation. Mm, mm, mm. We don't just cross arms, give our commentary, and sit back as the world burns. The Holy Spirit leads us into messy places sometimes because we are drawn by the Holy Spirit into the mission of God. God desires His love to just go everywhere and fix things that are broken, and there's a lot of brokenness in this world. The hard work of discipleship. You know how hard it is to open your life up and be transparent to a point where you can lead another person to Jesus Christ? It takes maturity. It takes commitment. It takes a whole lot of love. It's a huge responsibility that we've been given in discipleship. But we're not without help. The Holy Spirit is all over this kind of stuff. I will also say in the Holy Spirit, sometimes we have dramatic jumps that move us along. Sometimes we're stuck in a rut and circumstances or things will happen in our life to break us out of our ruts. Praise God for that. But we don't have to fear moving in step with the Spirit because the Spirit leads us in a right pace. We don't fear the shoulds and the have-tos and the should-nots and ought-not-tos, things like that. We don't shrink back from hard work. At the same time, we don't feel guilty about times of rest and times of celebration. A, a spirit-paced life makes room for all of that. You're not in it alone. We just walk together with Him. That's why it's an easy yoke. 
Because when we enter into Christ's yoke, we can just walk together with Him. We're not figuring it all out on our own. We're not doing it all on our own. We're just being led at the pace He chooses. Walking in the Spirit means we trust that God is working for our good in our circumstances. Even in the hard things, God is working somehow redemptively. The Holy Spirit helps you trust this. The Holy Spirit helps you trust that God has your best intention at heart. And as you trust that love, if you trust the love of God, does any of the rest of it matter in the end? And the more you put weight on that love of God and depend on the love of God, the more you put weight on that, the freer you become from the circumstances and the situations of this world, the brokenness of this world, you become a free person in Jesus Christ. So the Holy Spirit is involved in freedom. Galatians talks, talks about that. Walking in the Spirit means that we're not alone. God with us. It's the way God is with us. We have a community. The Spirit is God with us, helping us, and by the Spirit, we discover other sincere disciples. So we have all the community that we need to support all the challenges we face. You know, it's, the deeper you move into faith, the more the community just begins to open up and you discover other sincere disciples and you trust and you recognize the Spirit at work in their lives. And it gets us away from this just competition kind of dynamic, this fear dynamic, and we just open our hearts in Christ. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is very involved in holding us together in Christian unity. He has a special desire to unite our hearts and So a surety of God's love, we move beyond shame and fear and doubt, and we trust this love and are led further into freedom. So there's a few of the things that I was thinking about associated with this. See, our, I think the overall arching kind of idea here is that being led by the Spirit means that our attention is constantly refocused on the fruit of the Spirit, on uh, the things that build relationship, but most of all, the things that glorify Jesus Christ. And, you know, in Churches of Christ, we haven't, it's been about two decades that we've even dared to talk anything about the Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit doesn't mind. He loves that we are in love with the Word of God because in the, that is the Word, that is His sword. to do all the work that he needs to do. See, he's not desperate for our attention. He is just, his desire is for God the Father and God the Son to just keep getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. And you get the idea. That's his heart. Constantly helping us focus our attention on the beauty of God the Father 
on the beauty of God the Son. Goodness, beauty, truth. Jesus becomes who we look for. Jesus becomes who we long for. We're just thinking about Jesus all the time. We can't get him out of our heads. We can't get him out of our hearts. We can't get him off of our hands. He just keeps getting bigger and bigger. All right, so this next week, there's some things that we're going to have to get into a little bit more. Ways that the Holy Spirit communicates with us. And so uh, we get some, some ideas about the way He works, the way He leads, the fruit that He wants to produce in our lives. Sometimes it's in amazing things. A lot of times, more times, it's in small, humble, real-life, daily choices that He helps us choose kindness over meanness, joy over sadness and despair. He helps move us in those directions. So if I were to talk about, like, my experiences about the way the Holy Spirit communicates, it's a language. In some, in some regards, it's unique to every one of us, each one of us. Maybe it is through creation that, and, and contemplation. Maybe, but these are primary ones that I think on some level are always going to be involved uh, and take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. So when the Holy Spirit needs to cut, when He needs to do surgery, when He needs something sharp to remove something, the Word of God is involved in that. And that's some of the things that He reminds us of. So that that Word... See, the Bible's not just another book. You get those words in your head. They will do heart surgery for you. The Holy Spirit will use those as a precision scalpel to cut off whatever needs to be cut off. Uh, impressions of the heart. Sometimes... Uh, we just have ideas that come to us in a variety of different ways. And there's a quality to them that just stands out. Impressions of the heart that he uses. Life circumstances, the circumstances around us. The counsel of other serious disciples. Not the ones who are just kind of coming and going through the motions, but the disciples who you know by the fruit of their lives. They are all in for Jesus. The Lord will help use those kinds of friendships and relationships to guide you as well. And this isn't an exhaustive list, but I think this, we'll talk about this more next week, how these lights uh, uh, we are given, they help guide us. But the Scripture talks a whole lot about different things that the Holy Spirit does, common ways that He works in our everyday lives. The Holy Spirit wakes us up to the presence and the activity of God. I'll, I'll include the scripture references to these next week. The Holy Spirit draws us deeper into a shared life with other disciples. He has a burden and a desire for unity and for there to blossom to be friendships among us. The Holy Spirit changes us from the inside out. We're set free from fear of 
What are the so-and-so going to think? We're set free from having to pretend or fake anything. We just are open-handed with God, and we walk deeper into freedom in Christ. The Holy Spirit guides us in our decision-making. He helps us with these big life decisions that we're making if we learn how to listen and trust in that. The Holy Spirit, He helps us pray. Thank you, Lord, for that, that you help us pray. The Holy Spirit empowers you as a witness. The Holy Spirit leads us into the desert sometimes. If you read the story about Jesus being led into the desert, it wasn't the devil who led him there, it was the Holy Spirit. Because that's the place where Jesus went to get strong so that he could face the temptation of the devil. Sometimes the Holy Spirit leads us uncomfortable places. That's how we get stronger. And then the Holy Spirit, he, he leads us to engage in the suffering of others. This is when you become transformed into the image of Christ, you do what Christ did. Christ poured out his life. For you and for me and for the benefit of all humanity. The Holy Spirit will lead us to become a living sacrifice, to use Paul's language. Again, we'll explore this further this next week because it's crucial for us to know the Spirit and to learn the language of the Spirit and to walk in step with the Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit is the power that we need, but He's also a person with personality. And he desires relationship with us. And if you don't learn to listen, if you don't allow yourself to be led, you're never going to become the person you and God have been dreaming about together. The best part of you. You know that dream of the person you can become through Christ Jesus. So let me just say a word about number two to wrap up today. The Holy Spirit draws us into a deeper shared life with other disciples. I was just reading a secular news article, and it struck me in my heart, and it kind of made me sad the other day. And I was reminded about what's at stake in being led by the Spirit. And so sometimes I feel like I'm not, a very good, I'm not very good at being a friend to other men. Men have trouble with friendship sometimes. It's something that I think about. It's something that I want to get better at. How do I be a good friend in godliness and holiness to... to other men my own age, men who are older than me, men who are younger than me. A lot of men don't know how to talk about their feelings. A lot of men are incapable of sharing their burdens and especially their weakness, maybe their fears, maybe their desires. Those things, they largely go unspoken. Shove them down, lock them away. Throw away the key. Put it in a box. We'll deal with it later. Hopefully after I die. See, there's a lot of 
And this is sad to me. There's a lot of Christian men in this world whose only emotional, intimate outlet is maybe their wife and their children. And they don't know what true Christian friendship is like with other men. Anyway, I was convicted of that. So when I read this news feed, it struck my heart. And I thought, well, let me share this so we get an idea of what is at stake in learning to be led by the Spirit daily. The U.S. is experiencing a friendship recession, and American men have been hit the hardest. This is since the pandemic has been here. It was bad before. COVID has not done us any favors in terms of our friendships. According to the American Survey Center and Gallup, the percentage of men with at least six close friends has fallen by half between 1990 and 2021. One in five single men say they have no close friendships. Research shows that social isolation can weaken the immune system and make someone more likely to suffer from a variety of ailments. Some mental health experts, like psychology professor Niobe Wei, think the growing isolation of American men is also contributing to societal violence. Changes in the workplace might be contributing as well. Americans are working longer hours, switching jobs more often, and going to the office less than they were in the past. All things, the time we have left available for friendships, it gets squeezed. Our jobs are asking more and more of us. Men are less likely than women to share their personal feelings and receive emotional support from their friends. Yeah, I think that's true. <laughs> and less likely to tell their friends that they love them. today. As your preacher, because of a godly men who've told me they love me, they believed in me. We need this. This is just one example of things that the Holy Spirit leads us deeper into, leads us into figuring these things out, leads us into love for God and love for each other. And so we're going to keep talking about this next week. You and I were always meant to be a light shining in dark places. So let's stand and sing together. If you have needs for the prayers of this church or want to put the Lord on in baptism, we give you that opportunity. You can come see me up front here as we stand and sing together.